0: You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. That clip still gets me. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> man, I was why I rewatched it, rewatched it. I, can I edit these two pieces together? And and it even just sounded like man, this is you know. I just I don't know about you. I've been to Philadelphia and I've run up the steps. <laughs> And I mean, how many of you have ever, ever seen steps and run up and been Rocky at the top of a set of steps? Come on, raise your hands if you've ever ran up steps. Most of these guys, some of you guys, if you're, you know, like 30 and above, you've run up steps and your hands have been in the air like this, you know, and uh, I mean, and, and as a kid, this was like out in 79, I think, and uh, so I grew up watching all the Rockies, man, I loved all the Rockies. Uh, man, it's an underdog story, it's a guy, it's about a guy from the streets, who takes on a champ and loses, that's Rocky 1, but then he comes back, and he wins, that's Rocky 2, and then he has to be his biggest uh, 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 opponent in Rocky 3, and that's his pride and arrogance, because he loses, and then he comes back and wins, and then fourth, he's he's fighting for America, and in five, he's fighting, uh, you know, on the street, you know, and then in the last one, uh, Rocky Balboa, he's uh he's fighting his age, his self and the people's opinions and, and the desire to quit, but knowing that God's never called him to quit or give up. And in the last one, he's passed on that mantle. Creed. You guys anybody saw Creed yet? Man, I love the Rocky series. Man, I'm a Rocky fan, but man, I even as a kid, I, hate it. I hate it. You know, I love man, I love that scene. It's like I did it, you know man these movies, clips like this, they inspire us. They move us, they motivate us. and we're talking about some of the most inspirational stories uh, of the Bible of those who trusted God and saw amazing things happen. I'm just you know I'm just rewinding here. How many of you got? just just a little bit kind of had just a, teared up just a twinkle like in the in the corner of your eye, anybody all right. Some of you guys are too manly to say so, but you know what? That's all right. Our mission uh, as a church is is to extend the gospel, to uh, to give and to promote and to introduce people to know Christ, uh, the life saving message of the cross to anyone who shall believe. There is no other name under heaven by which man shall be saved except the name. There is no other name but Jesus Christ. And and as a church, every Christian churches to proclaim that is their mission, the gospel. Now, as a church, our mission is uh, is is given or unfolded through the vision of each individual church. And for us, the vision is the vibe. Uh, the vibe is something we've been talking about the last. Several weeks, and it's a large part of what this inspired series is about. We're kind of unfolding the vibe. We want you to dream about it. We want you to think about it. We want you to be inspired about it. And we want you to know kind of where we are as a church in our plan for the vibe. Uh, I shared last week there are three phases of the vibe, and phase one is simply a relocation. And through prayer and through uh, just kind of seeking God and just believing it's the time. Uh, we believe this is the year that we are to relocate. Uh, so we've been in this movie theater for 10 years, and we believe now is the time for us to see where God would have us to go. And there's a variety of reasons logistically for that, uh, but the big reason is is we believe God says it's time to go. We've been talking about the vibe for seven years, and this is when God uh, is uh, firing off the gun and we're to run. He's ringing the bell, and the round has started. So uh, um, relocation, that's this year. Phase two is uh, the venue. And the venue would be a place for Bible studies, special events, uh, receptions, uh, concerts, um, plays—basically a place that is leasable and place, a place that we also give to other ministry to use uh, uh, without a cost. So the venue is going to be uh, about running projected six months after we move in. Okay. By the way, the move-in could be any time this year. It could be April. It could be August. It could be September. We don't know, and there's a variety of reasons why that is, because we got to find the right place, meeting a the requirements of our budget, and that we can afford it, and we're not being stupid about it, but we're being wise, but it also it's a place that it enables us to do phase two and three, which is the venue, and then phase three, which would happen uh, roughly about a year after the venue, uh, as afforded, because we're not looking to a coffee shop to sustain the church. The church will be self-sustaining in that location, and a coffee shop is just an extension or another avenue of ministry to be able to have our place to be open every day day. Be run primarily by volunteers, but with the limited revenue that it might eventually come in, we could hire a management team, be able to manage that on its own. But until then, it'll be a ministry operated, volunteer operated thing. Now, some might wonder, what about the the volunteers for the Vive? Well, we're looking at the Vive being uh, the coffee shop part a good two years away, as God enables. So uh, we don't I don't think it's it's helpful to to worry about volunteers for two years you know not that not that we shouldn't worry or plan or promote it's a, why worry about something that we're not going to need for two years uh, but as we grow over the course of two years we've already got I, I will tell you this among our young adults and some of our adults we've already got a good 20 people that have said sign me up I'm ready to volunteer uh, and and so as God you know things may go faster but that's our that's our, you know, pragmatic timetable. Three phases: relocation, venue, coffee lounge. It may happen faster, but that's kind of uh, where we're at. We will always be. Uh, and we are still uh, Living Way Church. We're not changing our name to The Vive. The Vive is simply the location where our church will have its ministry. The building is never a church. The church is always the people. So uh, Living Way Church, the people, the ministry uh, will always be the same, and The Vive will be run and operated as a ministry of Living Way Church. We're looking, we are preparing, and uh, this is why we are doing the Inspired series. Ephesians, which is kind of our theme verse, For This series is Ephesians 3.20. It says now to him, that's God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. I want you to think about the vibe. I want you to dream about what it could be like. I want you to imagine what it could be and then imagine bigger because that's what God can do. He says he's able to do more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that works within us. See, God can, uh, can do through you more than you can imagine. To him, why? For two reasons. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. You see, everything that God wants to do on the earth is for two purposes, to bring honor to Christ and to show the world what the church can do in the name of Christ, okay? To the glory of the church and to Jesus Christ. All right. So this is this is part of what we're doing. This is part of the vibe. Uh, we've been talking about the future living way over the last several weeks. Uh, last week, particularly that God has called us to be different. And here's the this week's installment: is God has called us or inspired us uh, to be brave. God's calling us to be brave. You know, we love that Rocky movies. We like movies like that. We like. The underdog who wins. We love the tenacity. We love the courage. We love the fight. We like the little guy who takes down the big guy. Uh, I've ran uh, up those stairs. I've jumped up and down the actual stairs in the Philadelphia Museum. There, I've run up and and had my hands up in the air, and it was it was pretty. Even though it's just a movie, it's pretty inspiring. But today I want to talk to you about a guy that's not a movie but a real-life person, a person that lived. His name is David. And a real Goliath, an underdog that took on uh, a bigger-than-life man. Uh, But it's real. It's not a silver screen script. It is real life. So we're going to take a look at David today, uh, the little guy that takes out the bully. There's more to the story. Maybe you know a little bit about the story. Maybe you know about this guy. Uh, most of you know that, that this is a young shepherd boy who takes down a giant with a few, with a slingshot and a few stones, but it's deeper than that. Today I want to talk to you about facing the giant because we have a giant here at Living Way Church, and we're going to talk about that giant today. So let's jump in. First Samuel 17 says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled. Saul and the Israelites assembled. And they drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, the Israelites another hill. And there was a valley, it says, in between them. Now, on one side, you have the bad guys, the Philistines, who basically antagonize them, who torment them, who are constantly, uh, uh, you know, attacking them. And then on the other side of the valley, you have the Israelites who are just trying to live and honor God. And then in the middle, you have this, this valley. You have this line that was drawn. And uh, the Bible paints a very clear picture. And, you know, and and I want you to know, have you ever felt like there's a line that's been drawn Have you ever felt like you can look across the valley and and you can see the obstacles? You can see what it is that's coming between you and and the plan of God for your life. Guys, listen, we're going to go each week. We're on two tracks, the track for your life and the track for our church's life. Okay, so for today, we're going to talk about two giants, the giant that our church faces, and then you have your own giant. Some of you guys are are on one side of the valley, and you're looking across the valley, and you see that giant. That giant, we all have a giant. There's an assault lining up against our life, and and it threatens everything we're trying to do, everything we're trying to be. And here's the first thing when it comes to facing the giants. Number one, recognize the forces against you. Now, we all have something to overcome. For some of you, it might be a physical challenge. For some of you, it's a financial. For some of you, it's emotional. Maybe it's your past or your job situation or that you battle depression or you have anxiety or there's a tremendous amount of insecurity or a habit that's got its hands around your neck or maybe fear or maybe that memory that haunts you or that relationship that has damaged you. We all have a giant that is facing us and opposing us, and telling us, you can't do this. And we need to recognize that force against us. To recognize it does not mean we are to fear it. It means we are to see it. Because unless we see it and acknowledge that there is opposition, we cannot face it. And until you do, you'll be stuck. You'll just be staring across a valley of nowhere, wondering where to go. You can stay where you are and be who you are, or you can be somebody different and fight. So this is what happens in 1 Samuel 17.4. A specific foe steps up. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. And he had, uh, by the way, six cubits and a span is just over nine feet tall, okay? He had a bronze helmet and his head... Uh, on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That means all of his armor weighed about 125 pounds, okay? On his legs were Bron Greaves, and uh, Bron Greaves' javelin was was slung on his back, and his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him, all right? That means it's the guy who was supposed to carry all the stuff he couldn't carry or drop. So the accumulated weight of all of his armor was uh, over 125 pounds. Here's the second thing. Not only do you recognize that you have forces against you, but number two, you need to specifically identify the biggest challenge. Because if you can take down the biggest challenge, then you have won the battle. It's the beginning of a great victory in your life. And here's the deal. What we have to fight, each one of us is very specific for you. For you, it's not just any job, it's that job that you're in. It's not just any relationship, you know the person by name. It's not just any memory, it's a specific memory you can't get out of your head. It's not just finances, it's that bill that you know, it's that collector that you can name by name. It's not just any uh, grade, it's the class, you know the class, you know the teacher, you, you know, and it had a name for Israel too, and it was Goliath. And we need to identify the biggest challenge. Now, I've identified the challenge of of Goliath. And here's what I've done. All right. I don't know if you can see the head, if he's in the light. This is the height of Goliath. Okay? This is uh, just, uh, is, uh, just under 10 feet. And Goliath with his armor... Uh, he was over nine and a half feet. With his armor, he was pushing ten feet. All right. So this is Goliath, and I'm David. All right. You're going to find David here in just a minute. So this is a guy who who stepped out, and he was a mutant, no doubt. Something went wrong in the gene pool, uh, or maybe it went right. I don't know. He. Uh, this was the guy, and when they saw this, uh, you know, this massive. Uh, you know his head was probably bigger than that. Uh, that's the size of our head. It looks tiny up there uh, but this is the size of Goliath. Now we're going to come back to Goliath here in just a minute. all right uh, They identified they identified the greatest challenge. First Samuel 17:11 says this. He kept them, uh, he got in their psyche, he intimidated them, he trapped them, he kept them from moving forward. He personified everything they were up against. So they had to identify the specific biggest challenge. It was intimidating. But once they could conquer him, they could conquer the Philistines. So 1 Samuel 17a says, Goliath stood and he shouted. Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out? And line up for battle. Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul, King Saul? Uh, Choose a man and have him come down to me, taunting and mocking. See, everybody was afraid of Goliath, and everybody was afraid of the Philistines because of Goliath. So he says, If you're able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects, and he's saying that jokingly because he is confident that they would never be able to beat him. He says, but if I overcome in, uh, him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, Goliath, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man, let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed, And terrified. Now, what happens is for the next 40 days, Goliath goes out every day and he taunts them and says, I dare you to do something. I dare you to address me. I dare you to come against me. Isn't that the way that our giants work in real life? They're in our face. They're everywhere we turn. They get in our head. We can't sleep. We're up late. We're worried. We're stressed. And wherever we go, it follows us. And even right now, it's standing in front of you and it's taunting you, saying, I dare you to do something. Well, before we go any further, I want to take a look at one of our Goliaths standing in front of us, and that is our finances. Uh, at Living Way Church, when we think about our, our vision for our church, we have a Goliath for us, and that is we have limited finances. So uh, each year in January and July, we do a state of the church. And so we're going to, we usually do it before service, but this year I wanted to implement it into the series. So we're going to do a, a short state of the church. And uh, our for the first time this year, we've put our financials on our closed Facebook group. So if you'd like a copy of uh, the details of some of our financials, they are available on our Facebook group. I posted them this morning. So let's take a quick look at our giant and kind of where we are as a church. Let's go through the slides here. Go to the next one. All right, as you can see here, this is our monthly giving for 2015. You can see a couple of slumps in January and August. You can see kind of the rise and fall. Our average offering offering, uh, for the entire year is uh, is roughly about twelve to thirteen thousand dollars, twelve thousand five hundred a month. All right, over here you see our annual giving compared. You'll notice that last year's giving and this year's giving is eleven thousand dollars different. That's a pretty big difference, and one of the main reasons that's different is because this last year is the only year in the last four years that we did not do a year-end giving campaign where we didn't do a special gift year-end emphasis uh, because that uh, adds up to about $6,000 the last two years of extra income. So our $11,000 gap from last year and this year is closer to about $5,000 gap from last year to this year. Okay, And then this is what's awesome here is last year we uh, gave and and used $27,928 in missions. That means uh, a little over 20% of our year went to to mission work, which is pretty awesome. That's not admin. That's not Sunday morning stuff. That's mission outside outside of the house. That's pretty cool. Let's go to the next slide. I want to show you our our year trend here. You got 13, 14, 15. And you can kind of see how both September's the last two years went up. That's because of year-in giving emphasis. And we didn't have it this year, so it went down. So that that results in a big change in our year-in campaign. Now we did that on purpose because we're gonna do a challenge this month. And I didn't want to two, do two months of a challenge. I wanted to incorporate it into this year, and uh, I didn't want to kind of uh, get you to I didn't want you to lose the challenge that we're gonna do this month. So, you can kind of see the giving trend. Now, here's what's kind of cool uh, to notice is that every year we have three slumps. Take a look at this next slide. We have a spring slump, we have a summer slump, and we have a fall slump sometime in the fall. So, uh, things kind of go up in the spring and then drop. And then they go up in summer, and then they drop, and then they go up at the beginning of fall, and then they drop. So that's kind of regular giving trends in a church. So we are right on track with kind of normal giving trends in a church. And to me, I'm, I find that kind of stuff interesting. But those are the last couple of years uh, in comparison. Now, I want to go to the next slide. This is kind of where we are this year. Is uh, This is our monthly operation budget for the last four years. It's been roughly the same for the last four years. That means our monthly goal of what uh, we are doing. For instance, uh, our, our admin, our utilities, our rent, uh, ministry, uh, management, that sort of thing. That's our that's our uh, monthly goal for regular, just basic, no-frills operation, all right? That's kind of what it's been the last four years. Uh, this is our current budget. Uh, there's a detailed budget, if you'd like to know more about it, of a breakdown. But you have facility, staffing, ministry missions monthly bills that's our monthly budget that's where that number came from so every month this is our goal all right that's what we show and if you work it, open the bulletin and it says our monthly goals is uh, 10,000 it's been 10,000 last couple of years we're going to bump that up this year uh, because we have a actually an increase in giving of the last 6 months and so as you can tell our our budget's gone up just a little bit as well to be able to accommodate some of the necessary ministry changes that have happened over the last year. Last six months offering average, 12863 So when you compare our monthly need to our monthly income, there's, a, there's not a whole lot of variance. And whenever there's extra, it usually stays there until something needs to be replaced, like microphones or a speaker or computers or a projector for the KidVenture ministry. Things happen. Things break. Things have to be replaced. So all that buffer that comes in, it goes to maintenance of the church and maintaining supplies and fixing stuff and that sort of thing. So um, here's our current cash flow. Uh our offering, just designated an offering, was like 148 And then our total revenue is 160 That big difference is because our revenue includes youth camp money that comes in and mission trip money that comes in. It comes in, gets deposited, goes in the bank, shows up as re- uh, revenue. Expenditures is everything that goes out, that's spent during the year. And then we started January 1st with that. Now that's already changed because we paid some bills and we're uh, we're accumulating money right now to pay our next rent. Okay, so here's the big picture. Go to the next slide. Is this? Is I want you to know this that we are soluble and solid and current on our bills. However, we have limited revenue and and savings. Okay, uh, we just like the majority of churches in the country have a budget that is met weekly and monthly. And whenever a church wants to do something outside of the normal budget, they have a campaign. They call them capital campaigns. We're calling ours a vision campaign. And these capital campaigns, some churches live in perpetual campaign. We're not. Actually, we're going to talk about something that we're going to do that's going to be 14 months here in just a moment. And... uh, uh, but those campaigns help a church to, to kind of grow, to remodel, to, to put in a gym or to relocate. And so uh, the difference between us and a large church is that we're a small church and we've got smaller numbers. Okay? So it's pretty normal for a church to say, hey, we believe we need to, God's called us to do this, and then we have to raise funds for it. So that's kind of part of the inspired vision. I want you to know this is that our biggest Goliath as a church, in any church, are finances. Okay, churches handle it in different ways. Some of them they talk about it all the time. We rarely even talk about ours. Uh, we talk about it in our small groups from time to time in our Living the Way and our Discover Living Way. But on Sunday morning, offerings are pretty much, hey, if you're a member, you know what to do, and we pray because we trust that you're going to do what God's called us to do, and you're going to obey him and step out and do that. It's a part of growing in maturity. Some churches, they nail it. They talk about it. We're not going to be that church. We've never been that church. So uh, we have seasonal times where we talk about where we are financially, and then we give you a challenge. So that's kind of where we are this year, okay? So next month, I'm sorry, not next month, next week, I'm going to have my phone number up on the screen, and you're going to be able to, a Q&A myself and some of our leaders next week on any of this. You can review some of the uh, finances on uh, on the uh, uh, online, which we've made available, or you can uh, come up with some questions concerning the vibe and the, the 14 channels that we're going to talk about. And uh, next week, bring your questions because we're going to do Q&A. Okay? All right. That's our biggest challenge. Let's move on. Here's what's happening next. Let's learn from David on what to do with the giant. Okay, Uh, David's father, Jesse, uh, sent David, who was too young to join the army. uh, He sent David with some bread and cheese to make his brother some cheese sandwiches. All right. Pimento cheese sandwiches on the way. And he shows up at the army with this bread and cheese. And what does he see? But everybody cowering. Look at this. First Samuel 17, verse 20 says, early in the morning, David left the flock In the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other across that valley we talked about. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were doing. Verse 23, as he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. All right, so this is something he did for 40 days. All right, he just taunted and teased and tagged. All right, and David, this time, David heard it. And he listened with different ears. And whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, there are two radically different reactions to giants. There is the first response, the giant avoiders. And they, the giant avoiders were this. We often do the same. They just ran. They ignored. They pretended it wasn't there. We do the same. We sometimes look at the giants in our life, and we just avoid them altogether. We ignore them. We try not to think about them. We hope that somehow they will just go away or that somebody else will take care of the giant or change on its own. Some of you have been avoiding that giant of yours. For years. But then there's the other guy. By the way, you can go through gazing across the valley with a fear of failing, falling or fading away, and stay alone and broke because it seems challenging. But here's the deal. The problem is that giant will not get any smaller. He will only get bigger, and things will get worse. You can try to cohabitate with your giant, but it will eventually kill you. So here's the second response. David ran To the front lines. He ran to the front lines. After 40 days of avoidance, David shows up with sandwiches, just a kid, just a faithful servant, doing what he was asked. But then when he saw the giant, he didn't run away, he ran to it and he faced it. Guys, it's time to face the giant. Here's the next thing he did. 1 Samuel 17 says, David asked the men standing near him what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes, I love this, how he says, and removes this disgrace from Israel. Here's the third thing that happened is, uh, or um, it's actually, yeah, is this, that David saw the reward. He saw the reward. Now David faced the giant But he first did a quick cost-benefit analysis. He says, man, somebody's got to take that guy down. He's a disgrace. He's defiling God. Hey, what do you get if you take him down? Anybody? It's like, man, cost-efficient. Is it worth the risk? Is it worth the cost? What is the reward? And they told him, verse 25, they said, well, the king will give you great wealth to the man who kills him, and he'll also give him his daughter in marriage. And uh, and I like this part. And will exempt his family from taxes in Israel for life. Sounds like a pretty good reward. So he becomes the he becomes royalty because he'll be the son of the son-in-law of the king. He gets great wealth and tax-free wealth. All right. So he says, "Sign me up." Right. So guys, listen. We need to evaluate what is our reward for taking down that giant. Your reward might be finally. A restored marriage. It might be finally living debt-free. It might finally not being alone anymore and, and, and conquering that that giant of, of insecurity and distrust. Or it might be uh, the, the ability to sleep all night long because the giant of depression and anxiety is gone. But you gotta face it, but you gotta see the reward as well because it tells us that it's worth fighting for. You know what our reward is as a church? It's not one we're going to see here. It's an eternal reward. We make an investment when we give to the kingdom of God. And when people come to the kingdom of God, that investment is something that is an eternal reward. Jesus said we're laying up treasures in heaven when we give to the kingdom of God. And it's for lives. It's for people whose lives we touched and set free in Christ. That's our reward. When I think of the vibe, you know what I think? I don't think how cool a coffee shop would be. I think lives changed. I think souls won. I think guys who are addicted to drugs finally getting a small group and help to break free. I think of people who are lost and alone and have nowhere to go finding family and community. I see people who are finding themselves in Christ because there's a place where they are warm and welcomed by people who love Jesus and an opportunity to get them plugged into a purpose in life that's bigger than themselves. I see life change. So when I see the vibe, I see that. And I look right through that giant. See, sometimes reward is not worth the risk or the cost to change, to grow, or to give up, or to face that person. But God's plan is always worth it. Here's 1 Samuel 17. David asked the men standing there, What will be done? to the man who kills the Philistines and removes this disgrace from Israel. And then he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He's like, who is this punk? And who are you all punks for sitting around doing nothing? When are you guys going to grow up and do something? This guy is defying a defying God. He is, he is mocking and making fun of the living God. He says, our God is builder, a bigger. What's the holdup? Here's the next thing you need to do that David did is David recognized and he knew that God was bigger than the giant. You gotta identify your giant, you gotta realize that it's worth fighting the giant. And then here's the great part. You get to realize, you need to realize, you need to know that God is bigger than the giant. I mean, when David saw this Goliath, he didn't go, man, that dude. He looked at him and said, what a disgrace. What a disgrace. He saw him. Man, all David saw in Goliath Goliath was someone who was mocking God, and it was unthinkable to David. He saw that giant through the eyes of faith. He saw himself as a child of God. He understood who he was in the Lord. And he didn't look at the giant and go, man, that's big. He said, man, I'm a child of God. You ain't nothing. I know God has a plan for me. And who are you? You see, that was all birthed in his time with God. See, he knew who God was. And guys, listen, we can know who we are through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has given us everything we need. And through his life, death, and burial, and his resurrection. And when we trust and follow him with our life, the Goliaths in our life are put in perspective and we realize we become children of God. We become a son and daughter. And that giant ain't nothing. Knowing who God was gave him this next quality: is that David had incredible, courageous faith. He was brave. Look at this in 1 Samuel 17:32. He says, Don't worry about the Philistine, y'all, y'all babies. Grown men, here comes the little shepherd boy. He says, don't worry about the Philistine David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, that's a story. That's cool. But you don't know my giant. You don't know my Goliath. You don't know where I'm at. Well, that, you might say, well, that's just a Bible story. Guys, listen. God, through the Holy Spirit, can make you brave, can give you courage to tackle any giant in your life. He goes on, verse 33, Saul replied, you're not able to go out against him, this Philistine, and fight him. Who are you, basically? He says, you're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. You're just a kid, and he's been a warrior since he was a kid. And you know what, Saul is absolutely right. He was too little. He didn't have the resources. He wasn't trained. He was small. From a logical view Failure was certain, but David knew the power of God, and that was his courage. In a logical sense, maybe our giant seems impossible when you look at the vibe and when you look at your life. But look at the vibe. You might think, well, our giant finances seems an impossible one to take down. We're nobody. We're small. Well, until you know and understand the power of Jesus at work and what he can do, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or hope or imagine according to the power of God at work in you. But David persisted in verse thirty-seven to uh, thirty-four through thirty-seven. David began to tell Saul how God protected him and guided him, gave him strength to take down a lion and a bear, and empowered him. And he said, "You know what? God has done it before, Saul. He will do it again." David reflected on times when God proved Himself incredibly faithful. He reflected on times when God answered prayers. He heard stories and remembered and had his own memories of God's faithfulness. And he says, you know, God did it before. And Saul, I know God can do it again. David was not thinking about the giant. He was thinking about the ability, faithfulness, and trustworthiness of God. You don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? See, Saul attempted to clothe David in his armor. And David said, no, 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 all I need is the Lord. Reminds me of that verse in Zechariah quoted years later, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He says, David knew that man's best efforts could never replace God's power at work in us. So here's the sixth thing he did is that David ran. He ran not away, but to the giant. He ran to the giant. He didn't avoid it. He didn't ignore it. He didn't assume that somebody else would take the role or do it. He didn't run away. He ran to, and he knew what it would mean if the giant was gone, and that's all he could imagine. If the giant was gone, imagine what we could do, and he ran to the giant. See, David decided to Engage. What we're going to do uh, in the next several weeks, actually it's going to last for 14 months, is I'm asking you to engage. We're going to begin a campaign, talked a little bit about it last week, going to explain a little bit this week. And over the next three weeks, I want us to be thinking and praying about what is known as the 410 Pledge. Go ahead and put the slide up for the 410 Pledge. Basically, here here's what the 410 Pledge is, 14 months of seeing God do what seems to be impossible through our life. Four months, I'm going to ask our church to give, like, very sacrificially, okay? Our body, our church. If you're an attender and you want to be a part, we'd love for you to be a part, but I'm asking for those that call Living with their home to, to spend four months to give sacrificially. I'm going to explain that in a minute. And then 10 months after that four-month period, we're going to give to a, a, a pledge that's not as large as the sacrifice, but it will be something that will last Ten months. In four months, I would like us to raise forty thousand dollars. And then in the following ten months, another forty to fifty thousand dollars. So in the course of a year, we will have raised eighty to a hundred thousand dollars. You're like, well, that doesn't seem possible. Oh, it is so possible. It is very possible. Four months, I'm gonna challenge you to sacrifice for just a little bit of time. So that we could do a lot. So, we're gonna sacrifice for a little so that we could do a lot. Let me explain. Uh, For four months, what we're gonna do, if we can double our monthly income, we will have $40,000 in four months just through conversations with people. This is what's cool. We've already received uh, a quarter of it. Can you believe it? Just in conversations. So we're always today, and we haven't got the pledges from, our, from all of our leadership team yet. Today, we're already sitting at $10,000. That's the Lord, okay? So in the next four months, man, we're believing that we're going to be able to get $30,000. That's pretty amazing. You might think that it seems impossible, but it's not. We're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. Here's what it means. It means if you give $5, give $10. Give your regular 5 and give another 10 if you give $100, keep giving that $100. That's going to go to the regular offering to, to pay the rent and take care of things. And then give another 100 for four months. Double what you give for four months. And that second amount is going to go just to savings. And in four months, we'll have $40,000. Why is this important for the Vive? Because we are currently looking for a place for us to relocate. And there are costs to relocating. And the cost is a lot of times at renovation, a build-out, or having to uh, – uh, repair a facility or a place, or sometimes it means a down payment. It means a partial payment, or it means a, a down payment for a longer-term loan, which meets our budget. Guys, listen, in four months, I believe we can have $40,000 or more in our savings account. And then over the course of 10 months, we can double that again. And And I believe it's possible, not because uh, I, I just i silly thinking or, or naive, but because I believe in the kingdom of God, and I've seen things like this happen. I've seen people in groups smaller than ours raise larger, raise larger amounts. We have never done a campaign in the 13 years of our church. This is our only one. It's only lasting 14 months. And we're going to challenge you. doesn't mean we won't ever do one in the future future, but this is our first one, and it's only going to be 14 months. And here's the deal. If you don't tithe, do it for the first time and let that be your giving, okay? Some of you guys, you've never given a tithe. So next week, we're going to hand out. This is for our leaders and our band and stuff today. Next week, I'm going to have it available. It's this card, and it has a a pledge commitment. We're going to talk about why the pledge is important, and why we want you to submit a pledge. The Bible says without a vision, people wander aimlessly. We need to know what our target is. We need to know if we can reach that target, and then we need to run to it. We need to identify the giant. We need to face it. We need to run to it. The pledge helps us to identify and to see our benchmark and to know if we've accomplished and taken down the giant. On the back of this card is a weekly giving guide, which will help you to understand how that works for you. All right. We're gonna talk more about that next week. And this is not equal gifts, this is equal sacrifice. So that means if if five dollars is your sacrifice, that's your sacrifice. If five thousand is your sacrifice, that's your sacrifice. Gets money in the bank fast, and we get to move into what God has for us because we're running face on to the giant. Here's what happened. Look what happened to, to Dave, and we're gonna pray. First Samuel 17. Here's the part we all like. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to God. He looked David over, and he saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. By the way, (laughs) I think it's funny that the Bible many times calls David good-looking. It David was handsome. Some translations call him ruddy, which means handsome. David was ruddy. (laughs) Have you ever used that if you're a, a mom? Boy, my sons are so ruddy. All right, or your husband or Ted. All right, that's a joke. Terrible joke. My wife's not here to give me the evil eye. All right. He says, glowing and with health and handsome, and he despised him. Apparently, Goliath was ugly. <laughs> it's like, then that dude's good looking. I hate you. All right. So he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you would come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He said, Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistines, "You come against me, I love this. You come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and this very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there's a God in" israel and all those who gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear but that the lord saves for the battle is the lord's and he will give all of you into our hands as the philistines moved closer to attack him david ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him reaching into his bag taking out a stone he slung it and struck the philistine on the forehead And the stone sank into his forehead, which is ancient for right between the eyes. And he fell to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistines with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistines and killed him. And David ran. See if I can get this guy's head off. He ran. And he stood over him, and he took the sword Uh, he took the sword the Philistine had and he drew it from his his sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines. Maybe I should hold it like this. By his hair. Here's the last thing I want us to pray. David did what he knew to do, and he knew the battle was the Lord's. So there's two parts to this. He had a slingshot. He had some stones, and he, did, he He had to do, he did what he knew to do. But then he rested in the confidence that the battle would take care of the rest. Guys, do what you need to do to address that giant in your life, and know that the battle is with you. When it comes to our church, the 410 pledge is what I'm asking you to be a part of and to do. And regardless of your sacrifice, equal sacrifice, we want those four months to be intense sacrifice. Think out of the box. Uh, my family and I, we're, we're giving more than double of what we usually give every month because we believe in living way and we want to set the example. But what we give is not going to be enough we got to trust that the battle is the Lord's and that we together can see this giant come down. So recognize the opposition. Name that giant. Recognize the power and plan of God. Look forward to the reward and remember God's faithfulness. Run to fight with courage knowing the battle belongs to the Lord. So this week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin talking to your spouse about the challenge. Talk to your kids. We've talked to our kids because we want the whole family to be a part of this. We want the family. We want the kids. Uh, you talk to each other. Talk to your friends. Maybe challenge each other, whatever. And uh, and and pray what God would have for you to do for, for us to be able to, to, to move to the next chapter and see lives changed. Uh, next week, open discussion, Q&A on the Vive and 14 challenge questions. Uh, this week, be praying and talk to your family. Let's pray. God, thank you. That when I see our so-called giant through the eyes of faith, I get excited. God, when I see our Goliath, God, it motivates me because I know our God is bigger. And, Father, I know you've called us to do a great work and a great plan. Our vision for our church is unique and special to us, as many churches' vision is to them. And, God, I just pray that as you've called us to be together as a church and as a family, that, God, you inspire us to run up those steps and then at the end of the fight, just like Rocky, to say, we did it for the glory of God. In Jesus' name.